the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. And now it's time for expert analysis from the best in the game. This is Be She's Wrestling with Mike Davidson. I'm a former producer of wrestling, and I had to tell people, here's what I need in a promo, here's what I need in a match, and here's why you have to do it. You tried to be cute, you tried to be clever, and you came off undervaluing the guy the promoter is paying thousands of dollars to get into the ring with you. Special guest star, the Mecca, Shane Madison. Madison. Jealousy is something that the Mecca Shane Madison has had to deal with my entire life. It doesn't matter! Because I guarantee that the Mecca will win. And producer Chris. He's just a money-making machine, that guy. As somebody who's featured regularly on their program, I don't think he's going to be able to take enough time away from his other adventures. The guy is a mogul. And now, he, she's wrestling. He, she's wrestling. I said I wouldn't do anymore once we brought the Mecca Shane Madison on as a special guest star every single week. And that was that I would never do the podcast if I wasn't in studio. Unfortunately, things have happened this week. There's so much going on. I am remote, so they can't see my visual cues when I want to take the conversation somewhere. So if we're a little choppy today, bear with us. It is B She's Wrestling, episode 63. How are you doing, Mecca? Doing good. That's actually nice. I'm sitting in the big the big boy chair. I'm sitting in your chair. I have your special headphones on using the yeah. Mike Davidson uh, microphone with the special uh, covering on it. You know, this is, this is I, I feel like I feel powerful here sitting right across You're from right? producer Chris. Yeah. He's wearing a balaclava today. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> no, just kidding. Full snowsuit. Okay, guys, tell me something here. Have you ever looked at the WWE numbers comparable to AEW Direct? Like, how many people watch a WWE TV program in a week compared to how many people watch AEW? Or better yet, the attendance numbers that are very skewed in the favor of WWE. It is a pretty one-sided competition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly I look at the numbers because a good friend of the program, Dave Meltzer, loyal, loyal, loyal listener of the program, um, yes. we get, obviously we get all those numbers. So, I mean, WWE is, you know, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.8 million viewers, depending on what television show it is. Uh, you know, yeah. somewhere around there would be probably their high point. And then AEW, you know, depending, you know, collision again, ratings down again to probably just under 500,000. Um, you know, I, I think they'll probably settle in around there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're basically four times that of AEW. So and uh, AEW's well, got a budget that's four I times have some startling WWE. numbers for you. Let's hear them. On for the week of 626 June 26th until July 1st. AEW did for Dynamite 808,000 viewers. Rampage did 450,000 viewers, which was more than Collision did 432,000 viewers. For a total of 1.691 million viewers total. Now, there's going to be some, like, there's a lot of people that watch all three shows for AEW. So that's a pretty telling. WWE on for Raw on 26th did 1.973 million. So they beat it alone with Raw. Is WWE that their average? On the 27th did 622,000. And SmackDown did a whopping 2.52 million. Really? So you, you can see 
very clearly where the numbers are for a total of 5.12 million viewers for their WWE programming. So realistically, it's a one-sided game for TV viewers. NXT is doing more viewers than the two shows of AEW. Now, I'm going to give AEW a big benefit of the doubt here. Do you know how hard it is to launch a Saturday night TV program in the middle of summer? It is impossible. Yeah, especially and on a Saturday night at 6 p.m., right? That's that's a tough time yeah, slot. Like, and that's what the network wanted, but that was a terrible fit for launching a TV show. They started with a bit of momentum. It ain't going to be very pretty when the when the numbers come back from Regina this weekend, where Regina's going to have maybe 2,000 people in the seats. I don't think they're going to have more than 450,000 viewers. That show doesn't have a lot of hype on it. Of course, by the time you, you hear this, that show will already have happened. AEW has to do something to spruce up their TV. Well, they are pushing Punk and Joe pretty heavily. Um, you know, Punk was on, I watched uh, Collision last week. He was on commentary uh, with the Samoa Joe-Roderick Strong match. So they are they are trying to push that match. It seems like they can get some more mileage out of that match. It's kind of a throwaway in a tournament. Uh, I don't really know where they're going to go with this. I mean, it's looking like, I, I would imagine, Punk wins that match and goes on to the final to potentially face powerhouse Hobbs. But again, with the Owen Hart tournament, last year's winners, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, they did nothing with that title. It didn't It didn't give them a number one contendership. It didn't put them into a title program. I, I think actually they both were injured and they were off TV for a long period of time. So, I mean, I there should be, like the name of Owen Hart is one thing, but there should be some payoff to winning that tournament, similar to the King of the Ring, when the King of the Ring tournament, you know, the winner usually goes on and faces the WWE champion back in the day. There should be something like this, I would say. I'm probably in the minority because Punk versus Joe does nothing for me. I'm not a big Samoa Joe guy. I think he's a mid-carder at best at this point in his career. I think during his TNA run, he was a main eventer, but I think his WWE run was not that great. I think his AEW, the throwback to him being tied in with Ring Water, does nothing to appeal to mainstream viewers, and I think it hurts them. I, I, I don't think there's much there, and I think they're, they're, their collision number this week, maybe it scrapes 500,000, but I don't think it's going to do much better than that. Yeah, I think it's going to kind of settle in around that number, I would say. I mean, and, and I think they should be reasonably happy with that number on a Saturday night in the summer. Maybe things pick up a little bit more in the fall, but like you said, tough time slot. Um, you know, I thought that for Dynamite this past week in Edmonton, I thought the crowd was excellent. They were on fire for the whole show. Uh, and yeah. I think they only had about 5,000 people at that show. Winnipeg, what did we have here? 8,000 people for AEW Dynamite March 15th, I think. I believe, 7,400. Yeah, so I mean... That's a good number. 5,000 is great for their TV. Last I checked with Regina, they're at about 1,800 seats. I don't know. That's going to look empty. I know when they did Collision on the Thursday night in Hamilton, they had to really darken the arena because there was, like, nobody there. So, I mean, that's... Did they the crowd noise, too? I couldn't tell. Um, probably. But, I mean, the... You could like that arena was pitch black, so you know it was sparse for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because as they just you know just this past week, AEW has released more tickets for their 
uh, all-in show on August the 27th from Wembley Stadium. They're at about 75,000 seats sold with nothing announced and at a close to a $10 million gate. So it's interesting that ratings are down, attendances are down, but they have this big show coming up with nothing announced. That's, a, you know, a big hit. Yeah, the UK is an interesting market, though. Uh, TNA always did extremely well when they went to the UK, and in fact, their numbers compared to WWE in some markets. I think in this case... It's just the UK saying, hey, we want the new brand to come over here more often. It's a novelty. So I think a lot of uh, every wrestling fan has gotten behind that at Wembley. It's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be a major success for the company. But AEW is a company that badly needs more successes because the the soft spots are glaringly soft for this company. This, This is a company that doesn't need to be on par with WWE. They've only been in existence for four years, but momentum's a big part of, of ratings. That's how WCW was able to compete with WWE. They got momentum and they never looked back. AEW, every time they get a little bit of momentum, they, something happens to just flatten it out. And I, I, I don't know it. I, I don't have the answer to that. Speaking of Regina and the, and the attendance figures there, I, I heard they're doing a, a giveaway on tickets. If you have a pulse, you can have two tickets. That's how bad it's been in Regina. Like, nobody wants tickets. Well, according Regina, to, Jeff, to Jeff Jarrett, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, it's, it's a tough market. Like, I think their vision when they went into Regina was they, and Saskatoon, I think they looked at it and said, WWE hasn't done anything like TV in, in Saskatchewan in many years, almost over a generation. If we bring them TV, they're going to support us, and maybe we can steal two markets in Canada from WWE. And I think it's going to fall a little bit flat. Both markets are going to be well under three thousand, and it's and it's it's tough. Like there's no excuse for it. Our friends in Saskatchewan are are supporting indie shows proportionately better than what you would expect. Like you'd expect, you know, more than ten times. Like ten percent is what you should expect to draw compared to the big show. So eighteen hundred—that means the local show should be drawing one eighty. Well, let me ask you this then. So if we're talking about you know them stealing markets and things of that nature, WWE just came off a super successful Money in the Bank pay per view at the O2 Arena. I think it was like the largest gate of all time of anything not WrestleMania, largest merchandise sales like. Um, ratings, Google, Google uh, searches, like all this, all the, all the ways that you measure these, the success of these events was, you know, it was just a home run. I mean, the show was yeah. outstanding, and mm-hmm. now John Cena comes out during the pay per view, and basically teases that London should have a WrestleMania. Now, he's not coming out there unless <laughs> there's something going on. So. My question is, does WWE come in there for maybe WrestleMania? I think they've announced where 41 is. I can't recall where it is off the top of my head. Do they go in there with WrestleMania 42 as basically a counter to AEW success at Wembley Stadium? Absolutely. John Cena's not grabbing a live mic on a, on a pay-per-view broadcast broadcast and teasing something that he isn't told to go tease that is two things that is to say to the market in london hey you're buying that wembley ticket okay fine but you're wwe fans and we're going to bring you the the granddaddy of them all and you can have your one little novelty show with aew this time but don't get don't get married to them like don't get don't commit to them 
enjoy the enjoy the first date, but don't don't make it a long term commitment. It's interesting. AEW is definitely getting in getting into the head of WWE on something, but it's it's just them going to try to steal back the market more than anything. Uh, interestingly enough, in Winnipeg, WWE numbers for Monday Night Raw are already well over eighty thousand. They did ninety one hundred for SmackDown September thirtieth. I think they're going to come in very close to that number for Monday Night Raw in August. And Winnipeg is still a WWE town, and that's despite two of the biggest stars in all all elites roster being Winnipeggers. It's it's crazy to me. Okay, but, so Mike, have you have you seen any of the promotional materials for Regina? Just to circle back a bit, like because you you'll recall, I was a little bit negative towards AEW's attempts to advertise here. Are they putting the advertising dollars into the Regina market? Because that's really not a n- good number they're drawing. I talked to Wavel Star about that, actually. Okay, fair enough. Um, just to jump in there. And uh, he had said to me that the to the wrestling fans, they know that the show is there. But to the general public, and again, when we talk about success and WWE success is because they book to the masses – the general public is not aware that the show is is going right. That's what I was thinking. And again, AEW is a very niche kind of quote unquote smart crowd. So those smart marks are going to go to that show anyways. But what you need is the casual fan to show up and, and apparently they're not catering to them. So AEW really missed on trying to piggyback the Winnipeg success. It's a six-hour drive, and it's in the middle of July. People would have road-tripped this if they could have saw Omega versus Jericho, if they could have saw Omega in a, in a very fe- feature match, if they could have saw Jericho in a feature match. They would have really gone out and supported this. There's been zero advertising in the Winnipeg market that AEW's in Regina five or six hours away. And in, so in Regina, the problem would be I don't think that there's enough really dedicated wrestling fans. So when Wavell says wrestling fans know it, I bet you there is mainstream people who know it, but it might not be it might not be penetrating. I know in Winnipeg they did digital billboards, they did a lot of radio, they didn't do any TV, and I don't know what they did for print. Um, and they did a lot of online. Like I saw it on Facebook, and I saw it on, online every time I was on there. I would imagine they they did a cookie cutter approach in Regina. I just don't think the market of Regina is that strong for wrestling, and certainly not strong enough to pay a hundred dollars a ticket or eighty dollars a ticket that AEW likes to charge. They probably could have had a little bit better result if they kept their ticket price at twenty five to forty. And that's, that's just my guess. And that's probably why WWE has avoided that market because their philosophy is probably, hey, we'll run Edmonton, Calgary, we'll run Winnipeg. Those fans from Regina, Saskatoon will go, they will travel to those events because they are hardcore fans. The next question is, Mike, AEW has just announced that they will be debuting at the Bell Center in Montreal for a two nights, uh, I guess December, I believe it was 5th and 6th, one night will yeah. be uh, Dynamite, and I guess the previous night they're going to be taping the collision for that following Saturday. So two nights back-to-back in Montreal, first time in the market, a hot market, obviously WWE coming off Elimination Chamber, a very, very successful event, the most successful uh, wrestling event uh, at uh, the Bell Center. Where do you think that one ends up? Very successful on one of the two nights for sure. The second night, might, I think the AEW live show will do better than the tape show. It'll be confusing to fans because, like, 
it's not, not a it's not a roster like it's there's no roster exclusivity to the two shows so they're like they're gonna have to book it where one where no carryover storylines so they don't go chronologically out of order and mix up the live crowd uh, I think that they'll do 10 or 11 uh, nine or ten thousand on one night and I think they'll do six or seven the second night Montreal is one of the big markets in Canada for wrestling it goes Toronto Montreal. A lot of people will tell you Vancouver. I don't think so. I think Winnipeg and Edmonton have become three and four uh, for the best markets in Canada. So uh, Montreal will do extremely good for All Elite. It'll be um, interesting to see what they do with that Tuesday night show because, you know, who knows? Maybe in an attempt to keep things chronologically making sense, maybe they do Dynamite on Tuesday to be aired on Wednesday and they tape Wednesday to air on Saturday, if there is any crossover, they could do that. that would, I guess to make sense, that but. would be dangerous. That would be dangerous because you're then sending out two tape shows. The internet will buzz about your finishes and your and your matches. There's no surprises. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll keep Dynamite live. They did it wrong. They should have done Wednesday, Thursday, but they probably couldn't get the avails on the building. They also should have looked at doing Wednesday and the Saturday live. They probably could have done really well. But they'll do. Montreal is a very healthy market. If they could get that, this is where um, Impact maybe wants to be careful with Pierre Carl Willette because if he's got any wiggle room in his contract, I would think All Elite will try to get something to really impress the Montreal market. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one because they're going to have to come out with something. I mean, it's like WWE back in the day, they had Jacques Rougeau and PCO as the Quebecers or the fabulous Rougeaus, Dino Bravo, now Sami Zayn. So they don't really have that French Canadian star. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. So um, PCO would be a good one for sure. Yeah. But I bet you impact's got him locked up. I can't, unless he's going to jump before that show. It's, that's an interesting one. Um, I, the thing is, I, I'm usually very hard on Tony Khan. Getting Montreal is a big victory. Doing two dates is interesting. I think he should have done a pay-per-view. But interestingly about those two dates, I had been told that one of those two nights was going to be in Winnipeg because there's apparently a Fozzie concert that week in Winnipeg. It's either that week is Winnipeg or the next week I was told was Winnipeg. I'm, I'm a little foggy on that. But I, 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 I think that Winnipeg is getting... Um, Actually, I think Winnipeg's getting collision in December is what I've been led to believe. Hmm. Well, I mean, second time back so, in the market. That I wonder what, I mean, I, I don't think they would do 7,400 again. Maybe 6,000? Winnipeg's for- not a December town. Like, it's, it's a tough month to draw. Uh, I think Winnipeg, they would do better doing, they got to watch because I bet you anything WWE is going August and March. So they, they probably have a three-month window to do their dates. They probably have to do December, and they may be stuck having to do July in Winnipeg. So they may they may really see a, a decline in the Winnipeg market just on the calendar. Um, it, it's this is very tough for Tony Khan because every victory he gets almost ignites WWE to just do something to make it tougher for him. And WWE has all of the momentum. Uh, well, shout out to our friends with Impact Wrestling, by the way, who who have been doing some shows in Australia. Seem to be drawing pretty well from the pictures I'm seeing. Uh, you guys uh, have you guys heard anything about the shows at all? I've seen the pictures. I mean, I think for an Impact Wrestling show, yeah, I think it's. I mean, you know, it's a sliding scale. Right? It, that's exactly right. It's, it's Impact not. Wrestling. Yeah, are they going to do 
8,000 people. No. Um, but, you know, the building that it looked like it was configured for, it, yeah. it, every seat looked pretty full. So, I mean, hey, the the wrestling business is very healthy right now. You know, you look at Impact Wrestling. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, with, yeah. they, have, they have, you know, Slammiversaries coming up. You know, they have a lot of these uh, fight fight TV shows. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good things happening with Impact Wrestling, you know. So uh, if you haven't watched it, you, you should go out of your way to see it. And then the other thing is NXT. You know, I, I talk about this every week. And NXT, you know, Mike, you talked about the ratings still beating, you know, the Rampage and Collision ratings. But NXT is a great show, you know, and they just had... They're having a lot of the main roster stars come down to NXT. Baron Corbin is there. Los Lotharios are there. You know, some of these other guys that aren't really used. Mustafa Ali is there. And they just had a match this past week where the Creed brothers, and if you've never seen them, they're kind of like these shoot wrestlers. They were facing the Dyad in a loser leaves NXT match. Everybody thought the Dyad was going to lose because they've said they want out of their contract. It expires in October, and then the Creed brother, Creed brothers lose, so they're out of NXT. So who knows? You might see them get called up to the main roster. Clearly, they're not done with the company. I'd like to see them maybe put with Chad Gable and Otis and Maxime, a bit of a, a crew there. So I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on television. It's I'm telling you, my PVR is full every week. It's tough to keep track of all this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, one thing I'll say. Last thing I'm going to say on this segment. If you look across the board, WWE is setting the trend. AEW's business is a little down from last year. WWE's is a little up from last year. Impact's is way up from last year. And locally, most of the local shows and the independent shows that we talked about in the event center, they're all drawing better than they're used to. So business is extremely hot right now. I can tell you this from podcast numbers. Our podcast compared to, we were in our first three months last year, but compared to last year to this year, the growth is exponential. Wrestling fans are ignited. You see it at WPW. You see it at CWE. You see it at Ringside in Regina, uh, Dungeon in Calgary. The local, like the in, the hardcore fans, are supporting the products big time. It's now a matter of trying to get the mainstream to go from WWE to checking out local or checking out AEW. That's the challenge. But that it's an interesting one. It's going to be a healthy summer and a very good fall for those companies. Well, producer Chris, since I'm in the studio and Mike is on Skype. Where, what are we at for time? We are at 21 minutes. Oh, I think it's time that we go for a break. Might be time for a break. This episode of Be She's Wrestling is powered by First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store, where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Bees She's Wrestling listener, you can get a discount on your purchase using the code Bees She's. That code is B. E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, to get 10% off. Visit the store online, firstrow.ca, or instead of click and order, go brick and mortar. Meet the guys at First Row in person, 1835 Main Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store. You know, unfortunately, it's it's becoming a bit of a recurring theme here. Um, but we lost another uh, we lost another wrestler this week, and Darren Drozdov was only fifty four years old, 
And uh, unfortunately, he had passed away due to natural causes. I, I don't really have any more details on that, but, um, you know, a sad one because, you know, he came up kind of in the Attitude Era, and then he was unfortunately injured in just a very fluke um, fluke accident with D'Lo Brown on a SmackDown where he took a running power bomb and just something went wrong, and he just kind of landed on his head. And he ended up being paralyzed and in a wheelchair for the last, you know, however many years, 20 plus years. So sad yeah, to hear. 25, he spent half his life in a wheelchair. Yeah, sad to hear. You know, I mean, uh, and he, 54, that's a, you know, that's a young man. You know, it's not like uh, yeah. somebody who's lived a full life and it's, you know, you're in your 80s or 90s and then you pass away. But 54 is young and that's that's tough to hear. And it's it was so just a freak accident. It's so sad because one of the safest guys ever is the guy he was wrestling when he got hurt. Like D'Lo Brown never hurt anybody in the industry, and this is ha- and then the one time there's an injury, it's the biggest freak injury of all, t- like one of the worst of all time, and it cut a career short where this guy was going to be a fixture in the WWE roster for the next ten years. Like he probably would have made it till 2005 or six as a full timer. He was in LOD. He was like he was making a name for himself, and it, it caught it short. And then his life, like it's like it, it harkens back to Christopher Reeve, who died of uh, some sort, of, like basically being bedridden, and it caused him like it, it loaded down his his uh, immune system, and eventually he died. Like it's it's sad to know to, to no end how sad it is that Drozdov passed away this way. Yeah, and it really comes down to, you know, like that was a freak accident, but we could talk all day about guys taking risks because, you know, last week I went into it a little bit about guys taking undue risks. This wasn't even that. This was just like, a, I've seen D'Lo Brown do that powerbomb 500 times probably. Like he he did it every week. So, yeah, uh, rest, rest in peace, draws. And, you know, it's like even like something like, you know, Marty Jannetty and when he gave that guy the rock, the rocker dropper, a simple bump, just yeah. a pancake bump, like things can happen. And, you know, we talk about being safe in the ring and we talk about these freak accidents and these freak injuries. I mean, again, this is not ballet. Like the, the guys that do this, they are athletes. You have to be an athlete to do it at that level. And there isn't a lot of jobs at that level because you have to be pretty damn special to get to that level. And you know who got a lot of heat this week? And we talked about it a little bit last week from the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. But Kenny Omega took, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of heat online about that Tiger Driver spot with that Will Ospreay basically dumped him really high on his, on his upper back and neck. And it looked pretty brutal like when i was watching the pay-per-view and i saw it i said to myself that didn't look good but i knew it was omega and i knew that he would be fine but i mean you know that is a dangerous dangerous move and you have a guy who's you know he's going to be 38 or i think he's 39 in october i mean he's he's got some miles on him now he says that hey listen i Anything that I do in the ring, I would not put myself in jeopardy or my career in jeopardy if I didn't think I could do it safely. But regardless, why would you take that risk? It's just not necessary, regardless of whether or not he can do it safely or not. 
he's also on a contract renewal year. So he, it's scary to think that he maybe has 10 to 12 big money matches where he's going to get rated six stars. And when you add the danger factor into some of the things he does, he's not the same wrestler if he doesn't do those things. So he, he, I can understand the pressure he feels, but realistically, it is um, the risk is outweighing the reward. Right now, if you're Tony Khan, the way you're booking Kenny Omega is how do you get the most, how do you harvest the most return out of his matches because you don't know how many you have left? It is a precious resource. It is, it's like, it's, it's fixed. He doesn't have five more years. He's got two more years. He doesn't have 50 more matches. He's got 12 to 20. Got to make one of those count. And you got to be telling him, hey, I need you to know these 45-minute matches, make sure you're safe. Like, make sure nothing can go wrong. And I think he should adjust his style just a little bit to eliminate some of the bumps. Well, you know, I was just going to say that. Like, can a Kenny Omega adjust his style? Uh, given the style he's worked pretty much his entire career. Mike, you worked with him early on in his career. He always had sort of this high-impact, uh, high-spot style. Can Kenny Omega adjust like Chris Jericho adjusted because he had a very high-flying style at one point, and now he's largely ground-based? The difference there is Chris Jericho was on, was at the show. He worked for WWE. He has his Titan training. He understands... All this kind of stuff. Yeah. Kenny was never, I mean, he was there for a cup of tea in their developmental program. But I don't, and he hated it. yeah, and he hated it. I, I, and I, I think we talked about this on a previous episode. The night before he went to Deep South, I was on the phone with him for two hours and I told him, they're going to give you a box and you can go inside that box and you can do whatever you want in that is your space. But they're going to put the lid on that box. That box might get a little bigger over time, but that lid is going to remain on. And they keep that lid on for these reasons, because they don't want you to get hurt. You look at a guy like Seth Rollins. The guy comes out there, he stands in the ring for two minutes, and the crowd sings his song for two minutes. He's done nothing, taken no bumps, hasn't killed himself. That is the art of, of what we do. And, mm-hmm. and Chris Jericho understands that because he was there. You can say whatever you want. If you've never been to WWE, you haven't been to the show. You haven't been to the Super Bowl. You haven't been to the World Series. You might have played pretty high AAA ball, but you haven't been to the show. And the guys who are there, they understand that because they understand that, yes, it is an art form. What they do is not ballet. They don't get credit for being an actor, an athlete, an entertainer, or a stuntman. But if you do all four of those things well, you're the best of all of those. Chris Jericho so, understands that. Yeah. So what I would say is any Omega can't do what Ric Flair did in 1985. But Ric Flair can't do what Kenny Omega does. Ric Flair could never do what Kenny Omega does four times a year in 2023. And there's a value in what Kenny Omega does. It's a master when he decides he's going to do it. He just could never do it seven out of 14 days or 20 out of 31, which is the WWE protocol. So 
he is the biggest attraction in the industry right now because you everybody wants to see his next match because it's going to be six stars and it's going to be nothing but money. They don't need to put him on TV in, in trios matches or bo- they don't need to build angles on Kenny Omega because the value of the payoff is, is going to be the big match on pay per view. So I think what they need to do on Omega is treat him like treat him like Shawn Michaels later in his career. Treat him like like okay. You are going to be in major programs and major angles, but you're not going to wrestle to lead up to those matches. Just give us matches. Yeah, he needs to be used as a special occasion. You know, like not like he's special, and what he does is very special. There's nobody out there that can do what he does. But like you said, with Ric Flair, Ric Flair doesn't didn't have to do what he does. You know what nope. I mean? And it's like, and same thing like I talked about last week with Seth Rollins. Lance Storm had a really uh, good quote this week. Somebody had said something on Twitter about Will Ospreay being the most successful wrestler. Lance Storm replied. That was your buddy Dave Meltzer who said that. <laughs> Lance Storm replied, and I'm paraphrasing here, the most successful wrestler is the one with the biggest bank account. And that's what it's all about. Like, that's, that's a lot of the reason why I got out of this. Because, one, I didn't want to, <laughs> you know, destroy my body. I wanted to be able to walk when I'm 50. And two, um, it's just, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me anymore. You know what I mean? So, um, well, a lot of what Lance, and again, Lance was at the show. He was there. He gets it. So that is... countless people that made it. So his, he is an expert. What he says is bang on. Right. And you know what? Guys used to say that about me when I, oh, Mecca, you're lazy when you get in the ring. You don't like to do much. You don't like to do that. All I know is, Mike, you were there. Did we draw money when I was in the main event? It worked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the thing is, I heard, I heard this conversation. Hulk Hogan wrestling in Tokyo in 1993 against Great Muda was a lot different than Hulk Hogan wrestling Andre the Giant and Pontiac. It's, he was, it's what the crowd is that you have to impress in Tokyo. He had to work. He had to take a page out of Kenny Omega's book. If you watch him against great Muda in 93, but you watch him in 87 against Andre, he was playing to Andre's strengths. And if he tried to work very fast with Andre, it would never work because Andre, you had to bump and sell for Andre and work Andre's pace. Both were masterpiece. One drew thousand or whatever it was in Pontiac and and the other one drew very well in Tokyo but it's two different versions based on the crowd so in the case of anyone ever saying oh Mecca didn't work you know like like Mentolo for instance or Ronnie Attitude well no but Mentolo also could talk people in the building better than those two guys too there's a, there's something to be said for being able to convey an angle without even having to work mm-hmm. now, Jim Cornette never wrestled a five star match but Jim Cornette drew more fans to the building than a lot of five-star workers. So you got to consider the intangibles as well. And I think, you know, when we, if there's one thing we've learned this year from watching WWE is how effective good storytelling can be. And I will tell you, you know, watching the whole bloodline thing with Roman Reigns and Cody and, and all this stuff, man, it, it's, it's really inspiring to watch, you know, what it could be, you know? So I, I just think yeah. that's, that's awesome. You know, geez, I might have another run left in me. You never know. <laughs> and that's all story driven. too. Amazing. Um, Thursday was National Fried Chicken Day. Did anybody go to Mary Brown's? 
Uh, not on Thursday, I didn't, but I did go to Mary Brown's earlier this week for Big Mary Monday. Ah, uh, you know what time it is? It's time for the Mary Brown's mailbag. Mary Brown's chicken, crave delicious, crave Canadian. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's chicken. And who only uses Manitoba grown potatoes hand cut in store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's chicken. Crave delicious. One question in the Mary Brown's mailbag this week. Get your questions into us. TotalBeeshe's at gmail.com. Instagram, Beeshe's Wrestling. Facebook, Beeshe's Wrestling. And possibly coming to the new app, Thread very soon all right <laughs> one question like i said uh from shelly she says wwe's longtime lawyer jerry mcdivitt is retiring do you guys have any feelings on this or any cool jerry mcdivitt stories i once got a cease and desist from wwe um the thing i got was uh we were bringing in billy gunn and rikishi and rikishi told us that he could work at kishi and it wouldn't cause a copyright infringement and we called Billy Gunn, I think the we G called Man. him the G-Man. Yeah. And WWE sent us a cease and desist, but it wasn't Jerry McDivitt who sent it. It was somebody called Stacy Papakristos. And it warned us that if we went forward with promoting WWE trademarks, that they would take appropriate legal action. And I was actually disappointed I didn't qualify for a cease and desist from Jerry McDivitt. Um, probably one of the best uh, lawyers wwe ever could have had he defended vince through the steroid t- trial he handled the copyright infringement with wcw he uh got Hulk Hogan out of having to testify in the zahorian trial in 91 uh pretty much every time vince needed a great lawyer jerry mcdivitt was there and i can only imagine the amount of females he negotiated the payout for to <laughs> keep them being inappropriate yeah no i mean it- you know, a lot of these pivotal moments in WWE history, you know, behind the scenes, Jerry McDivitt had a very prominent role there. So uh, I believe with this MLW uh, lawsuit, which is going to move forward now, uh, interestingly enough, um, I think in the discovery phase, what they're saying is that this could be a while. So he is leaving, my understanding is in January and he has advised WWE to seek uh, some other legal counsel who will be there for the duration of the trial. So I think he's kind of going to ride off into the sunset. I'm sure he will in some way or fashion be involved, but it's interesting that usually, you know, you look at Dave and Earl Hebner, Mike Chioda, all these guys, these long-term guys, the Briscoes, they all end up, you know, in some way or another getting let go or whatever. But McDivitt, Never, got, he was always there. Thirty-six years, he knew where the skeletons were buried. Well, for Little, sure he literally. did. For so, sure he did. David Howard, Pat Patterson were all there at the. Yeah, right. But a lot of them, like Pat Patterson, was let go uh, for a period of time. So, but McDivitt is the one that I, the only one I can think of from the very start who has been there from the very start. Even Bruce Pritchard, friend of the show, your friend, Mike. <laughs> Oh, Howard I, I, Finkel went. For, Howard Finkel never got fired. He went right to his death. That's that is true. That that is, that, that is yeah. absolutely true. Way to bring us down. Thinking about the things. <laughs> oh, I also found the the season desist letter from uh, from Mike. It it says, "Mr. Davidson, please keep your pants on at events." 
All right, let's move on. <laughs> Jeez, Weez, are you ready for the event center? Let's do it. This is your B She's Wrestling Event Center. Friday, July 14th, Thrash Wrestling is in Penticton, British Columbia. Saturday, July 15th, Thrash Wrestling is in Armstrong for Metal Fest. We shift to Alberta. Friday, July 14th, Pure Power Wrestling is in Lethbridge. Friday, July 14th, and Saturday the 15th, Real Canadian Wrestling is in Two Hills, Alberta. And Saturday, July 15th, AEW Collision debuts in Calgary. We shift to Saskatchewan. Wednesday, July 12th, AEW is in Saskatoon for Dynamite. Friday, July 14th, Best Entertainment Wrestling is in North Battleford. Friday, July 14th to Sunday, July 16th, Canadian Wrestling's Elite is at the Craven Country Fest. And Saturday, July 15th, Best Entertainment Wrestling comes to Humboldt. And that is your B-She's Wrestling Event Center. That Are might you, be the smoothest event center we've ever had, Jeez Weez. That's not bad. You know, I, th- I find things run a little bit more smoothly without Davidson here. Yeah, Mike Davidson had to take a powder. He's gone, so it's just me and Jeez Weez. You know, and, and the fans, they, they got off or they got off easy this week. It's We kept it light. We kept, very light. It's very light this week because, you know, there's not a lot of local shows going on. Like CWE had a, a big tour with the Masterpiece Chris Masters in Ontario. I saw... Red Hot Ryan Wood made his return to the ring. I can't believe that. That's exciting that, that Ryan Wood came back and and was in the ring again. I'd love to love to catch catch a Ryan Wood match again. Yeah, he was in uh, in Bradford, Ontario. So they had a pretty successful uh, tour there. I think they did five shows, and then uh, of course WPW. Nothing really on the horizon right now until the end of the month, where they have the Blue Crushed show, which is sold out. And then they talked about there will be. Um, an August show, but I believe that date might be changing or may, no, sorry, the September date changed to August, but now Jody Threat may not be available to defend right. her WPW Women's Championship. Uh, yeah, scheduling conflict is what I've what I've been hearing so far. Okay, so that. unfortunately, you know, but WPW has announced a lot of good matches. So if you check out their social media, uh, there's all sorts of. Uh, Announcements as far as matches that go are that are going on there. Primos wrestling. I haven't heard anything really about Primos. Yeah, they've been quiet. They've been quiet since like a, before our last podcast. Even have they been taking any advice from Mike Davidson? Do you think? I don't think they have been taking any advice from Mike Davidson, but they should perhaps take some advice from Mike. Dav- it's it's a little bit hard sometimes taking advice from Mike Davidson can be a bitter pill. Should we should we talk about cuz I know he likes to talk about how and we're just shit canning him right now cuz he's not here. <laughs> exactly. Right? And why why not? Yeah. Right? That's what we do in this in, oh, in this I'm, business. I'm always right. <laughs> right. He's not right. We know Mike Davidson is right a lot of times, but there are times that he has been wrong. Okay? Just like there's been times I've been wrong. Yeah. There's been times I've been right, producer Chris, you've Absolutely. been right. You've been wrong. I'm wrong often. You're, you're wrong when you're wearing a balaclava in in July. That's true. That is for sure. Well, I got to go rob a 7-Eleven after that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been kind of a light week as far as local, the local scene. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's Let anything Let me ask else. you a local question then. And just circling back to, to Woody, Ryan Wood coming back. Um, do you think locally Ryan Wood gets the credit he deserves? I don't think he does because when we talk about sort of the glory era of wrestling here in Winnipeg, you know, I'm talking about independent, of course, glory independent. He was a big part of that. And I don't hear his name brought up quite as often as, 
maybe it should be. You know what? When I when I was wrestling like way back when, Woody was a referee, and he was a very good referee. But he's one of the one of these guys that if you if he does anything athletic, if it's he's kind of like you remember the the uh, vignettes for Mister Perfect. Yes. He'd be diving. He'd be playing pool. He'd be playing golf. He'd be playing basketball, football. Woody is a lot like that. Yeah. Anything athletic, he excels at. So he did very, very well as an official, which in turn um, translated into a very effective professional wrestler. A little small, but was very capable in the ring. But he, man, he pissed a lot of people off. Like yeah. He, I remember one battle royal MVP was in with him, and we just, we beat the she's out of him because he was a little prick. Right, right. So, um, but he was around for a lot of the big moments. Uh, you know, he's around in top rope championship wrestling. He was around for a lot of PCW. You know, so he's done a lot of. Um, he's been around when the business was really hot. So, I think the fact that he was able to, you know, uh, come back, wrestle a match in kind of his uh, home area. I don't know if it was his hometown. I don't know if Bradford, Ontario, is where he makes his living now, but he is in southern Ontario. So. Uh, the fact that he was able to come back and, and do a match, I think that's kind of cool. You know? yeah, yeah, it's super cool and that he can just sort of decide to do it is a testament to the fact that he's probably kept himself in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, I think, you know, in the video I saw, he, he was wrestling in a t-shirt, but right. hey, listen, I mean, may, I don't know. For me, if I was going to come back or when I come back to the ring, just kidding. <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> um, hey, you never say never. Yeah. I, like I said, I was, I'm inspired by a lot of the stuff that's, that's going on. I could get back in there tomorrow, but it would have to make sense. But I will never be wrestling in a t-shirt. That much I can tell you for sure. You heard it here first. No t-shirts for G's Wee's, even the Dave Meltzer t-shirt. Don't change the channel on the flip on around. You're about to see the hottest show in town. The biggest stars and the biggest brawls. The biggest hits and the biggest falls. Non-stop action, no messing around. Pretty soon they're coming to your town. The way you like it, way it used to be. Smoky Mountain Wrestling's on TV. Fans, welcome to this special edition of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We are here in Knoxville, Tennessee. 